Another week gone by, and here I am back at the mic. The Dungeon Master's Diary is a very personal thing. Day by day, and week by week, each episode features my audio notes. I record them here and there between my regular gaming sessions and assemble them into a rough edit. These form my notes, a kind of a journal that lets you take a peek behind the Dungeon Master's screen, I guess. The thing I have to warn you about is that there are, first of all, Plenty of spoilers for anyone who plays any of my gaming sessions. And secondly, it is pretty candid. It's a messy, very messy snapshot of my inner life as a gamer. So, you know, you have been warned. Things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die the Only the break shall come Open to page one My name is Che Webster And this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary Hey Chase, Spencer here, and I'm just reflecting on the opening of the most recent DM's diary. And uh, yeah, you're right, um, openness begats openness, and I think it encourages, it, it invites people who are open to share their feelings with you, and it encourages those who wish to be more open. Um, and also you said about something about it being dangerous to be vulnerable i think being vulnerable can a willingness to be vulnerable can be a very powerful position to be in potentially and uh, certainly a position that i need to get myself in if i'm ever going to get around to running my own game but that's another story a lovely call in there from spencer from keep off the borderlands podcast Thank you, Spencer. I really appreciate you calling in and taking the time to feedback on what I was asking. I've had uh, three of these this week, and I'm going to share them all now. But, Spencer, yours were came in first, and it was the one that really actually touched me um, you know, emotionally quite strongly. I was uh, struggling through the weekend with my folks. Um, I was tired. I was stressed. And this message came at just the right moment, man. So thank you so much for it. It really, really did kind of... Yeah, perk me up. Um, I I really appreciate the idea that um, you know vulnerability is in some ways a strength. And man, you just kind of I know this is easier said than done, but man, I really need you to understand that you're going to be a great games master, a great dungeon master. You're going to run great games, and I just want you to take the plunge. It probably won't be anything like a game I would run. Uh, it will be probably something you know light and stripped and fun uh, as opposed to my ponderous heavy games that um, may or may not be fun but dude you're going to be fantastic and thank you again for calling in so i was listening to dm's journal episode 11 and you introduced it with this concept of trust and i I agree. I think that it does give your your journal does give us the listener 
a bit more trust. We get to know you personally, or at least we feel that we know you a little bit more personally. And that's the other half of the reason that I adopted a digital audio diary is actually, I guess it's the third piece of the puzzle for me. Uh, the first piece of the puzzle is having something that I myself can go back and listen to. The other piece of the puzzle was I was copying you. And the third piece of the puzzle is trust. I wanted to have a diary that gave some transparency to what was going on in my life with regards to the maps and other things that I was, that I am creating for my Patreon. So yes, I, I am definitely on the side of a regular candid journal should allow people to feel like they know you a little bit better. At least that's how I feel. I feel about that way about my irregular journal, and I feel that way about your regular journal. I, I would say that it's a large part of why we are friends today. Frank Turfler there from Frank T's Line of Notes podcast, and also the fantastic creator um, of a whole bunch of tabletop maps and stuff like that, which you can find via Frank's Patreon. I think it's patreon.com slash Frank T. I hope I got that right. Frank, thanks for the message. Um, obviously, what the listeners don't know is that Frank and I we've become really good friends through the podcast, and we've been using a, a little app called Telegram to talk to each other and uh, we do a lot of audio bits and we have a kind of standing order that you're allowed to steal someone's message or something that they say for your podcast unless they tell you otherwise. So that's what I've done. Uh, and thank you, Frank. And thank you, Frank, for the thought. So the main thought I wanted to pick up on there was this idea that journaling uh, develops trust. And I think uh, for me, it's developing trust with myself, first of all. I think that that's the thing I reflect on. Uh, I'm becoming more able to see my ups and downs and to know that I am going to fluctuate through the week. I mean, basically, I always seem to have my lows midweek um, and I have my highs around game time. So I need to know that if when I get to the table, I, I've learned this now, I get to the table, I'm going to feel good afterwards. Uh, even if it's the crappiest game ever, uh, I'm still going to feel better about myself and about my gaming than if I don't game. And the second thing was about how it builds trust with others. And I think you're right, Frank, when you say that the candor helps people who are following you, um, who are supporting you, who are funding you to actually going to get to know you a little bit better. And this should, I believe, build a sense of trust, especially if you're really honest. So uh, thank you, because I, I really needed to hear that and I need to process and understand that. Um, and that's why I'm back at the mic right now. Hi, Che. This is Mike Bowers. Thought I'd drop you a note. Um, I just got to finish your Fighting Fantasy episode and started your latest Dungeon Master's Diary. On the latest Dungeon Master's Diary, you wondered if anyone was getting um, any extra trust because, as you say, you feel like you're being 
very honest, you're being forward, you're speaking your mind. Um, but the way you're saying it, uh, and the tone of your voice and your wording, it almost kind of feels like you're putting a negative connotation on it. I'd rather you look at it as you're being genuine. You're, you're talking about your honest interests and concerns and you're sharing it with us. And yes, I think that does, um, lend itself to give you, um, not necessarily credibility, but it does. It builds a trust and rapport with your audience. And I definitely get that, and I appreciate them quite a bit. Um, and insofar as the fighting fantasy, listening to it and how the uh, game books work, because uh, I never played those. I did use um, the Choose Your Own Adventure books when I was a kid, but never the fighting fantasy. But there was a computer game for the Apple II called Eamon, which... It was like shareware or freeware, I don't remember. But um, it had a starting module, which was kind of, quote-unquote, the town. You created your character, you could buy and sell items. Um, and then you got modules, which were basically, it was a floppy disk, had somebody wrote an adventure game, it was a program. And, the, um, and so each one, if someone wrote one, you know, you could go and you could go on the adventure. You could go into the countryside or the dungeon, you know, find the monsters steal the treasure, find new equipment. Um, but the cool thing with that is that you made the character in the one in the master program that was the town, and then you got to take the equipment from all the different games and use them in the other games. So it, it kind of feels like, to me, that that was like the computer equivalent of uh, Fighting Fantasy, because it was all text, like an Infocom game, probably more like a Scott Adams adventure, because it wasn't... Um, the parser was not nearly as... Um, detailed and advanced as Infocom. But anyway, I uh, just thought I would drop that note, um, and I'll cut that short. Thank you. So, a fantastic call-in from Michael Bowers, the most recent patron of Roleplay Rescue. Thank you, Michael, for your support and also for your call-in. Great to hear from you. I, uh, There's two things, I guess, there, isn't there? We've got the stuff about you know, fighting fantasy and you know i hadn't realized actually i really just hadn't realized that many american listeners uh, and perhaps listeners well outside of the uk generally haven't had the opportunity or haven't necessarily come across the fighting fantasy specifically the fighting fantasy uh, kind of games um and i'd never played the choose your own ones and i didn't realize it there seems to be an implied bit there is that they don't have rules per se you just kind of choose the way you go there's no dice rolls there's no chance and all the rest of it um which is particularly part of the charm for fighting fantasy i think um so if you're listening to this anybody uh, not just michael but if you're listening to this and you haven't tried one i, I really strongly recommend having a go because they're great fun I also, Michael, do remember uh, programming my own adventures. I don't um, know the specifics of what you were talking about, but I do remember myself on the Commodore 64, later on the Amiga, and on the Sharp MZ80K. Now there's a computer blast from the past. Um, actually writing my own basic programs, um, doing my own du um, sort of dungeon adventures back then. That's when I think I really started to transition towards becoming a du dungeon master in some ways, you know, writing and invent inventing those those labyrinths to put people through. And yeah, I think that that was uh, the strong connection between, uh, you know, I was doing role playing, but I, I was also doing sort of computer, um, you know, sort of dungeon stuff and playing Final Fantasy. So there's a i guess there's a triangle of experience that i hadn't necessarily put together um on trust which was the main thread and the thing i'd really took away I, I just thank you for um you know just calling me out on on doing myself down i guess a little bit um yeah i tend to do that dude um you're gonna have to get used to that 
Uh, I'm going to try harder. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, just thank you. Uh, there's a really lovely kind of bit of feedback from the three of you. And um, Michael, please do keep calling in because I love it when people call in. And you're another, you know, another caller. I haven't heard from you in a while. And I really appreciated this one. Game on, dude. Game on. It's Tuesday night and I realise that I have completely failed to make any log entries this week so far until now. Possible spoilers coming ahead. I'm just going to talk about Tuesday night gaming. So if you're taking part in the Dungeons of Thal, and of course there are basically four groups now running, then some of what I'm saying may be things that you're interested in, clues, or could just be something that spoils your game. So, you know, like you make that choice for yourself. This is a spoiler alert. I repeat, this is a spoiler alert. Okay, so on Friday night, the guys uh, on the Friday night gamers went into the Dungeons of Thal. Um, they had discovered the um, iron door um, to which they have a key was... Um, open and so they decided to investigate that and um, it was kind of fun they basically went and did a little bit of uh it's mostly evening basically trying to get across uh some really large pits um and looting some treasure from the bottom of them which was really good um ended up being the first party to use the ring of return to get out because they were actually in a bit of a sticky situation uh, the pair of them so that was good fun um i can't remember masses of details i'm really glad i recorded the session because well, with my parents being here this last weekend, I just had no chance to write, do that retrospective and really think about it in much detail. Um, but that's been cool. And then, so tonight, Tuesday night, the uh, school gamers turned up, which was fantastic. I got to the bottom of why they didn't show last time. Essentially, one of the players definitely couldn't make it. Uh, that meant another player decided to go, which was leaving just two. And those two guys told the other two that the game was off um, without really talking to me about it. So... <laughs> interesting choice anyway tonight they turned up and I'm like oh nobody signed up I didn't know there was a game I was a little bit mean at first but we did get a game on which was great uh, so f one two three four players uh, down into the dungeons and um, this time they decided to go in a direction that nobody has been so they've um, been deeper into the dungeon than anybody else has ever been and on their return, uh, handed over a few copper. They found some copper, a lot of, quite a lot of copper coins, a couple hundred copper coins they managed to find. Um, and there were reports of their first encounter with a nasty trap um, and also reports of them looting um, and actually knocking over a huge statue and taking from it what they called the Star Cog. Um, so there's an interesting tidbit. Um, and... Yeah, they kind of like um, decided as we got towards the end of the session, it was best to sort of, you know, withdraw, regroup, have a bit of think about what they're going to do next. So that's really, really cool. Looking ahead, I've got a game on Saturday night with the uh, online group via the Extraordinary Gamers. And it looks like we're booking up a second game on the Sunday afternoon, UK time, 2 p.m., uh, to welcome Jason Hobbs and Tim Shorts of Gothrich Manor and one or two other players. I think Frank T signed up for a, can be there for a bit of it, and it looks like Lan from my Friday Saturday night group has signed up to go and play on Sunday. 
So it could be we've got four players, maybe maybe in one or two more to come. I don't know. Um, so it looks like I've got quite a lot of game in the head. And obviously this weekend is a bit stressful for me because I've got to drive my wife down south to South End to visit her family and get back in the same day to play online in the evening. But it should be doable. Anyway, going to stop blithering and um, going to have some tea. But yeah, game on. It's all going. Dungeons Thal. Better start... Um, you know, adding some levels. Yes! I just wanted to note that there are probably two things that have happened in the last few days that kind of kibosh a little bit my desire to genuinely look at D&D Essentials. But that doesn't mean to say I'm not going to actually go and have a good look at it. Um, so the first thing was I started to read through the rule book that comes with D&D Essentials. And um, I've recorded a little bit about that. Since reading it, you know, my mind's been sort of running around there and I've been remembering a lot of the things that made D&D 5e slow, which was a problem when I was trying to run an open table at the school club in an hour and a half session, uh, especially combats, which, you know, with a lot of moving parts can be quite slow. Um, the second thing that's happened is when I came to club um, just last night, actually, and I, I thought I'd open by asking, you know, how are you guys finding Thal? And the immediate reaction, really enthusiastic reaction of like, well, we're really enjoying it. We're really enjoying it. Um, in fact, one of the girls was, you know, it wasn't even a, a heartbeat really between my asking the question, her response, big smile. Yeah, loving it, really enjoying it. Um, and that kind of makes me think that the game itself, the rules bit, you know, playing Dungeon Fantasy powered by GURPS is not an impediment to them having a good time. And then, of course, that session last night, we actually did quite a lot of exploration. So I was worried that they weren't covering a lot of ground in a session. And I think a lot of that was down to their own uh, inexperience as gamers. And what I noticed last night is that the four players have really sort of gelled as a team. I noticed the two lads have really calmed down. And what that's done is allowed for more free-flow play. And I... Um, yeah, we we kind of we basically had a number of bits of exploration. There was a, um, a fight, which was quite brief, um, and then they they were exploring. They dealt with a trap. They got round it. They dealt with um, investigating an interesting item, and uh, then decided that actually having explored just a little bit further, that it was probably prudent and wise to leave the dungeon. Um, so I don't know. I think you know as I sort of think about other systems. I don't think GURPS as a, as a game is causing any kind of real problem for us um, running in a short game session. And so that sort of motivates me less to want to make any kind of change. So I just want to make note of that. I have a parcel, I know not what, but a little package. Uh, looks like it's from the States. Um, let's have a little look. We've got bubble wrap boxes. Um, oh, okay. Some trailblazers. So this one's on Timmy Shorts as well. Um, these are the little stamp, game stamps for making maps with archival ilk, ink. And I got the full set of them sent over from the States. Very cool. Um, and this must be extra ink. Cool, so I didn't get around to backing the Kickstarter for this, so I, well, at the time I was kind of thinking I might not be able to afford it at the time. And um, yeah, you know, seeing really good results from Tim, and 
thought I'd buy them. Cool. It's a nice little note from Brendan Day, who's the creator of them. Hi, Jay. Thank you for supporting Game Stamps. By ordering a set, you're making it possible for me to add new stamps to the collection. Let me know if there are any places you want to explore next. And then a full sort of instruction going on how to use it, how to clean them, using them during a game, ink and paper. Nice. Thanks, Brendan. Appreciate that. It's a nice little note. Game on. It's Saturday. It's about five o'clock in the afternoon or evening. Um, that was one hell of a week. Really horrible week at work. Very intense. We had the UK general election. Also very intense. And today I did the drive. I took Deb down to see her in-laws, which is South End on Sea in Essex. That's around about 165 miles each way. So, yeah, I've done about, you know, 300-odd. What was it going to be? 370-odd miles or whatever today. And I'm a bit tired because that, with the traffic, especially around sort of Luton area and the Bedford area, um, I think I spent around about seven hours on the road today. Uh, with about 20, 25 minutes um, not actually driving. So, hmm. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I'm still feeling good. I'm feeling pretty pretty okay. I've uh, just been to the gym, just got my exercise in today, and had a bath because, you know, it's really nice to have a hot bath, isn't it? You know, a really good steamy hot bath. And I'm turning my mind towards this evening because this evening is the first of my weekend online games this weekend. Uh, Dungeons of Thal are being played tonight um, from 7pm and also tomorrow on Sunday at 2pm. Um, at least that's what we've got planned. So fingers crossed. I've got some prep to do for tonight. Um, going to feed the rats first, make sure that everybody's okay. And then I'm going to spend probably an hour or so just having another look at the dungeon, really, and updating things. Uh, much has happened uh, this week. Um, Tuesday's session was really good with the kids, and so I need to just make sure those adjustments are made in my notes. Ah, actually, to be fair, a moment, because it's like one zone that's currently being explored, it's actually relatively easy to keep things in my head, but that's not going to last very long, especially once one of these parties finally breaches uh, one of the exits into another zone. So... Mmm, should be good though. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I apologise that this week I have not done much in the way of updating on my on my uh, diary. I'll be honest, it's been a really tough week and I didn't really have much to say apart from the bits I have recorded. So uh, bear with me. Um, perhaps tomorrow I'll be in a position to give you a bit of a report. Let's see. Sunday morning and I'm literally just up but I thought what I would do is record a quick retrospective from last night's online game of the Dungeons of Thal. Three players, um, I had Bob and I had Lan and I had Jason, um, that is Jason Connolly and uh, Jason Connolly we got him, we had a little bit of technical issue getting him up onto uh, TeamSpeak of all places actually um, but once resolved we got his character sorted out. And I think the only thing that really slows down my uh, quick character generation uh, using Fantasy Grounds is the fact that you have to input everything to Fantasy Grounds because um, the user-built, community-built uh, GURPS engine thing that goes with it 
Um, it has no data because, you know, obviously Steve Jackson Games hold copyright over that data and, and these guys don't have permission to use it. So, uh, Steve, Steve Jackson um, and people from Steve Jackson Games, if you're listening to my podcast, which is extremely unlikely, please do a deal with Fantasy Grounds and create a GURPS and a GURPS Dungeon Fantasy um, module because, man, we need the data. Anyway, I sound like I'm moaning. It was um, a kind of weird session, actually, from my perspective. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's a number of things that are the kind of factors that um, are really very interesting that are coming out of me running an open table with multiple groups, if you like, or multiple groups of um, people. And I realise actually it's not actually multiple groups of people. I realised this last night as I went to bed. I keep talking about, oh, there's there's four groups. Well, there kind of is. Um, well, if the ones today get off the ground, that'll be the fourth separate group. But actually, there's no reason why those should be separate because what it really is is when I have a session. And when I run a session, and whichever players at that table at that session, um, you know, they would play, which, you know, because I guess the school kid group is going to be the school kids you know i mean it's not going to have any adults there uh, for fairly obvious reasons my friday night gamers group is also likely to be relatively stable if they continue to play in thal uh, but the online group there is no reason why an online session should have the same players every time um, except that you know i have a table limit of five and it's whoever signs up at the moment you know there looks like there's a fairly regular group who can do it every fortnight or most fortnights, um, you know. So the next session of that, incidentally, is the 28th of December, and it looks like, um, you know, one player right now. Um, if it's, the guys have got the kind of feel if it's less than three, is probably deadly and might be a bit too risky. Um, so look out for that on uh, Society of Extraordinary Gamers, SXG. Um, it's extraordinarygamers.com. And then go into the events bit and look for the date and you'll find the Dungeons of Thal. And you can sign up if you remember. But anyway, I digress. So, the game. Um, yeah, so three guys. So uh, we had... Um, we have Lurin, I think is the name. And we have... Oh God, I can't even remember the character names. It's really doing my head in. So three heroes into the into the depths. This is a spoiler alert. I repeat, this is a spoiler alert. Now, essentially, they went into into the dungeon, and immediately in the first chamber, uh, the place is repopulated with spiders. So, the guys um, kind of tentatively probe their way into that into that room. Um, now there are some serious spoilers here for anybody who is um, playing Thal. I rolled reaction roll for the spiders, and it was kind of neutral. So the the creatures were not likely to attack, but they are kind of wary. And I think that was fair. I, I think I made that fairly um, fairly obvious. I suppose I didn't say, "Hey, they're neutral. They're not going to help you." Saki, I just sort of said, "Hey, they're." They're hanging up in the webs in the ceiling. They're turned to face you. They're aware of you. They can see your light, and they are they're, well, they're hanging back and up and up there, and they're just watching. Um, it was um, 
Lan's character, I believe, who had the torch, and he decided to go near the webs at the side and start setting fire to them. This um, was an aggressive act, and so this led to a fight. Now, this fight lasted a goodly portion of the evening, probably a good hour of play, in two phases, really, because Lan's character got completely mobbed and very badly damaged by the spiders and poisoned, which was nasty and deadly. And the guys then realised, very quickly realised, that being in the open room was a bad idea, and they basically withdrew uh, into the corridor, which led to a bit of a standoff, because the spiders were happy to drive the humans out of the of their lair, if you like, out of the room, and once they they were in the passage, they kind of just held back, being threatening, kind of clicking and clacking their mandibles, and you know, stomping their legs and things to sort of um, you know, scare the humans away. Um, and the humans formed. So basically, the passageway is like two yards or so wide. So the guys formed with, uh, and and this is this is interesting. There was a moment where the three players kind of went, "Hang on, we can use tactics here." Um, Lan, your character has a spear with a reach of two, so if you're behind us, you can stab, you know, over our heads or through between us and, um, you know, have be behind and still be effective. Um, and I think uh, Bob's character, Lurin, has got a crossbow, so he's up in the front and sort of saying, oh, well, I can risk it. I'll, um, you know, uh, it takes me four seconds to reload my crossbow, but, you know, I can I can stand in the line. And then... Uh, Jason's character was up there with him with his broadsword um, and yeah you know they kind of formed some, a tactical position that point uh, Bob's Lurin character decides to fire a crossbow at one of the threatening spiders and then we get phase two of the battle because the spiders are like okay these guys are still aggressive now they killed um, four spiders in total and the other two basically fled the field and they decided to let them go and they drove them out of the room. Now, this room, first room, has an iron door which was open when they arrived, and the tunnel behind it was filled with spider webs. And they closed that door. They slammed it shut. They absolutely decided to sort of block that back off. And they heard the locks engage when they closed the door. This is kind of significant if anybody's playing. From there, they withdrew outside and they decided, because they were quite badly injured, they decided to go back to town they kind of, or back to the, the, the slave camp, if you like, to be taken back. And this posed a problem for me because we had, we had a good couple of hours play left. And, um, I, you know, normally it's like you go in and when you come out and you go back, that's the end of the session. Um, and I had not had that situation, but I decided, you know, let's let them go back. They found some treasure um, uh, incidentally, yeah, they found loads of silver coins kind of in the, hidden in the webs in one of the corners of the room. So they decided to take those those back and spend them, really. They re-equipped and um, bought some... I think they bought some spider venomant toxins and they've, uh, they kind of just re-equipped themselves a bit. And then they took a second foray. And this time they decided to go into the main room and they headed left down where they can smell rats um i think it was uh jason's character um who had the ability to kind of smell rats uh you know, tell what the smell was really because he's 
he's got a veterinary skill. I love it when you have random skills. Anyway, long and short is they found um, a bunch of uh, dead bodies, uh, dead rat body, giant rat bodies, which they essentially gutted open. Um, and inside one of them they found a gold coin. And then they uh, looted around the um, the room. They found, amongst some layer stuff, they found a couple of other coins that... Um, appeared to have been basically overlooked by a previous party. Um, they were reasoning that the, the rats, giant rats, had been killed by a previous party. And then they moved further into the dungeon, uh, ultimately coming to um, a chamber which has a scything blade uh, across the corridor. Now, basically, got this, this room. Um, at the far end of the room is a tunnel exit which has a scything blade going across it sort of vertically from inside the wall, you know, each side pendulum style back and forth i am moving my arm back and forth as to show you and here we are on an audio podcast <laughs> anyway next to that passageway in the room they're in is a lever on the wall um, there's also another exit to their right a tunnel filled with webs it looks like someone's been through there the webs are some of the webs are older and damaged and there's clear damage to that but it's been kind of refilled um and yeah um this is kind of where it went horribly wrong for them really um jason took his character up to use his um knowledge of traps to have a look and see if the lever looked trapped um it looked fine to him but when he went to pull the lever here it delivered a massive electric shock um which threw poor 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 um uh, jason's character way across the room and um yeah, delivered a massive electric shock, which killed him pretty much outright. The good news was, and this was important for them, was that the lever was moved. He did move the lever from the up position to the down position, and there was no discernible effect that they were able to, to pick up on. So they considered that, as a party, incredibly important information that was almost worth dying for, um, or perhaps actually worth dying for. Anyway, they looted his body and they dragged um, his body back through the dungeon. Um, there were no kind of further random encounters on the way out, so they came back out to town and decided to sort of wrap their session there. Um, and it was, it was, from my perspective, it felt a little clunky, a little bit awkward. Um, yeah, the spiders are really nasty. And the guys, there's a little complaint on the part of the guys. They're sort of saying to me, hey, the, the monsters from the book, they're all for 250-point characters, and these are really hard. And they're really super hard, and they're like enough to kill us outright, and it's, it's a pain. And I'm like sitting there thinking, yeah. And that's sort of the point. Um, so they've learned to fear spiders, and um, yet they have brought back a considerable amount of treasure uh, 17 silver coins worth each worth 20 coppers and everything in the slave market is, is priced in coppers and 4 gold coins each worth 400 oh they had to they, they hid some of the gold coins like 3 of the gold coins they hid from the guards as they came out and uh, I think it was Lan's character managed to successfully sort of hide those in his or palm them in his hands or whatever and wasn't you know they didn't notice they didn't um their search was particularly unthorough and um they got away with it they got away with like bringing 
more of the money back than they, they should have been allowed. Because when you come out of the dungeons, in case I haven't explained this before, the guards tax you 20% of your of your treasure. And yeah, so that's that's last night. Um, I I think the guys seem to have quite a good time. And I'm just worried that Jason, having like spent some time putting together characters again down the dungeon and then having him killed, won't want to play again. Uh, he certainly didn't have time last night to make a character. And I'm just going to take that at face value. Jason, I know you will be listening. Uh, man, I really hope I didn't pee you off. Um, because, uh, yeah, that, that sucked a bit, actually. I, and I realised as well, you know, I realised that uh, as a DM, I really hate it when a character dies. Um, uh, it's one of the things that when I was playing, like, BXD&D with the uh, kids at school... Like every time a character died, I just I, my heart wrenches, and I always feel like really bad. And even though like it's a ten minute job to put together a BX character, and even though you know, I think even with my Thal thing, it's no more than a sort of fifteen minute job, especially if you do it on paper. Um, it's just heart wrenching when a character dies, and I, and I kind of really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> 